Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our production and outreach director, Matt Walker. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! It's 2023. It's a brand new year. Um, And as I was thinking about like, uh, do we want to do the whole resolutions thing again? Um, I was thinking um, and I was praying and I was thinking and I was praying. I was like, what do I want to talk about here today? Because we're not really in a series right now. um, And there's just so many things that you can talk about on the first day of the year. Um, And I, I was thinking, what is something that, and I'm talking to myself here as well, that if I could tell us as a church, as Elevate Christian Church, and also as the church as a whole, what would I want us to take more of into 2023? What would that be? And I have an answer. Um, It's so, you're going to hear it and go, oh yeah, of course, whatever. It's so cliche. You've heard it so many times. And yet I think that if we really focused on this, and really decided to be deliberate about focusing on what Jesus says here, then it's going to change not just our lives, but the lives of the people around us. Um, And that little phrase is three words. Love your neighbor. Anybody ever heard that one? I hope so, because even people that have no connection to the church at all have probably heard, love your neighbor. It's almost cliche, right? Um... I happen to believe myself that this is the most important teaching in all of the Bible. Now, you might be saying, oh, Matt, you can't say that. That's, that's, that's saying a lot, but it's true. And I'm not saying you have to take my word for it. In fact, Jesus himself said that this is tied for the number one most important thing in all of the scriptures. I'd like to, I'd like to prove my point here by reading you Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, Jesus, with this question. Teacher, what or which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? That's all the scriptures. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The most important or tied for number one. And and that's significant. And I want you to notice that what Jesus is saying is tied for number one is not about baptism. It's not about communion. It's not about the Bible. It's not about salvation. It's not about heaven or hell. No, what Jesus says is is the thing, the most important teaching, other than loving God, is to love your neighbor. That might lead us to think about this question. Okay, well, who's my neighbor? I think that's a fair question to ask. If someone tells you to love your neighbor, you might start asking the question, okay, who counts as my neighbor, though? Because I think that's a really interesting choice of words that Jesus has given us here to say, neighbor. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, But if we are asking, who is my neighbor? 
Um, we're not the only ones to have asked this question. In fact, in another gospel, in the gospel of Luke, another religious leader tries to trip Jesus up and ask him a similar question. Um, and this is what happens there. This is uh, Luke chapter 10. Um, it says this, uh, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. We're going to pause real quick. Um, this, is, this is just a freebie that I'm going to let you walk away with here today, okay? Um, in the narratives of the Gospels, right, in this account of the life of Jesus, more times than not, the antagonist of the story, the bad guy, so to speak, are the, the hyper-religious. That's just something for you to chew on today, okay? It's the people that tried to trip up Jesus, the people that trusted Christ the least, were the people that trusted religion the most, just saying. One day an expert in religious law, an expert in religious law, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? He's saying, what's the scripture say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's asking the same question, who is my neighbor? Only he was asking this not from a great place. Hopefully, as we ask the question, who is my neighbor that I'm told to love, we're not coming at it from the same place that he did. You see, what this expert in religion was trying to do was he was trying to draw a line. He was trying to get Jesus to draw a line for him and say, okay, I will love my neighbor, but like, where can I stop? Because if like that person over there surely is not my neighbor, right? I don't have to worry about loving them. They were trying to figure out where they could draw the line in love. Um, and I hope that's not what we're doing when we ask that question. When we ask the question, who's my neighbor? Let's not think about it like that. That's not good. Um, we don't want to draw a line for the love that God has told us to show people. Um, so I have a few points that I want to go over with this passage and this idea of loving your neighbor today. Um, and maybe you've thought about this before, maybe you haven't, um, but it bears repeating. And I think that if we carry this with us into the new year, that it's not only going to help us connect with God, but it's going to help us to connect with other people. And it's going to help people see Christ in a way maybe they never have before. Um, the first point is this. Neighbors don't live under your roof. You ever thought about that? Neighbors don't live under your roof. If you live with your spouse or um, maybe you have roommates or brothers and sisters, you wouldn't really count those as neighbors, would you? Not if they're already in your home. Your neighbors are people that live outside of your home, that live outside of your roof. I always thought it was interesting that Jesus said to love your neighbor when he could have just as easily said, love everybody, right? And that is what he meant. Jesus meant to show love to everybody, but he picked deliberately the word neighbor. 
Why do you think that is? When he could have said everybody, he picked neighbor. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. Mainly, though, because Jesus knew how we were. You see, it's easy to show love to people that are a lot like us, isn't it? Because we like to look in the mirror. <laughs> we like to see ourselves and go, wow, that person's just like me. We could be great friends. Um, it's, it's not hard to love somebody that's like you, but it is hard to love someone that's not like you. Um, and when we realize this, we're asking the question, who's my neighbor? It's almost like, who can I get away with not showing love to? And I know we would never deliberately think that, but I know that I'm guilty of sometimes thinking that in the back of my mind. Well, that person says and believes and does this. Surely that God wouldn't want me to show the same kind of love to them that I would show someone that's like me, right? Have you ever been caught in that trap? Have you ever done something like that? Who can I get away with not showing love to? The answer is nobody. Jesus didn't want you to draw that line. You see, people under different roofs are harder to love than people under our own roof. People who think differently, they're harder to love sometimes. People who look differently, who speak differently, who believe different things, who have different pasts, who love, who live, who work differently. See, Jesus is making the point in saying to love them specifically, and not only specifically, but he's saying that it is as important to love them as it is to love God. We don't think about that a lot, but it's true. It's what Jesus is saying. And so just really camp out on this, and I want you to hear this, and it, it might make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Um, we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love our Christian neighbors. We're supposed to also equally as much love our Muslim neighbors, our Buddhist neighbors, our Hindu neighbors, our Sikh neighbors, Jewish, pagan, atheist neighbors. We're supposed to love our black, our white, our Latino, our Asian, our indigenous neighbors, our rich neighbors, our poor neighbors, our gay neighbors, our straight neighbors, lesbian, transgender neighbors, all of them. We're supposed to love our Democrat neighbors and our Republican neighbors. And isn't it funny that that's the one that we seem to have the hardest one with? The rest of that list, not so controversial, but when it comes to that, boy, that even Democrats and Republicans, listen, and I know it's, it's a joke, but it kind of is, kind of isn't, you are supposed to love your neighbor that watches Fox News and wears a MAGA hat, and you're supposed to love your neighbor that watches CNN and voted Joe Biden. You're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're supposed to love the neighbor that hates your guts. You're supposed to love your neighbor that hates your God. You are supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. This is tied for number one as the most important teaching in the scripture. Did any of those people in that list make you uncomfortable? Did any of those people in that list make you think, well, he's not actually talking about that person or these people. I am. Jesus was. If any of those people made you feel uncomfortable, then what you might be doing in your mind is you were drawing the line just like that religious expert did. You were saying, but I can actually get away with not loving 
these people. I can actually get away with not loving my Muslim neighbor. I can get away with not loving my gay neighbor. I can get away with not loving my Democrat or Republican or my communist or my capitalist neighbor, whatever it is. You're drawing that line, and I don't want you to do that. And Jesus does not want you to do that either. Can I tell you something that really drives me crazy too while I'm stepping on some toes? <laughs> um, there's a thing, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this too, where it's like, well, I love them too much to not point out their sin to them. That's, gonna, that's the thing that I need to do. We like to play Jesus police, don't we? We like to be the God cop and say like, the best way I can love them is to make sure that they know that I don't like what they're doing. That's the way to do it. That's the Jesus police. Could you imagine? Now, I'm not married, but I, I just want, if you are married or maybe you have a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, I want you to think about this, that this person that you're supposed to love the most, you go up to them and say like, I love you so much that I want you to let you know that you've gained weight, that you're really annoying, that you're really loud, that you're really stupid, and that you need to change things in order for me to love you more. Does that sound loving to you? Does that make any sense at all in any universe? Of course not. And also, by the way, it's not biblical. It is not our job to be the Holy Spirit. Anybody hear that? It is not your job to convict someone of sin, just like it is not your job to save somebody. How about this? When it comes to loving our neighbor, we let Jesus do his job and we let the Holy Spirit do his job, and we do our job, which is to what? It's to love our neighbor. Love our neighbor. That is what we are called to do. Maybe that looks like praying for them. More often than not, I think it just looks like not hating them. More, because the world, there's a lot of hatred in the world right now. I don't know if you've noticed. There's a lot of hatred in the world right now. And guess what? It comes from us just as much as it does the non-believers too. We can change that. In fact, we're commanded to change that. We need to love our neighbor. The second point is this. Um, there's a theological, 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 or if it's Greek, but who's ever heard of the phrase imago Dei? It should be on the screen. Imago Dei. Does anybody know what this means? It's the image of God. The Imago Dei is the image of God. You see, one reason why we're supposed to love our neighbor is because our neighbors, and not just our Christian neighbors, but every person in the history of the world that has ever been created carries with them the Imago Dei, the image of God. And don't miss this, okay? If every person carries with them the image of God, every person, Christian and non-Christian, when you disrespect and fail to show love to the image of God, you fail to show love to God. Did we hear that correctly? If you fail to show love to the image of God, you fail to show love to God himself. I'm going to... We're going to exhale for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, anybody like bluegrass? Looking at me, I'm more like 
indie, punk, rock, post-rock type guy. I actually really like bluegrass. I don't love country music, but I do like bluegrass. Um, and uh, there's a song. It's, it's kind of like a southern gospel-y song slash bluegrass. Um, uh, I think the Gaithers did it. Um, uh, Rhonda Vincent, I'm going to show a video here in a second. Um, it's a song, and it's an old bluegrass song. It's just a minute of it I want you to see. Um, and it's kind of funny, and it's funny in how blunt it is. Um, if there's anything about, like, us here in, like, the foothills of Appalachia, it's that we can be very blunt sometimes. And this is a song I think is very blunt. This is a song called You Don't Love God If You Don't Love Your Neighbor. Here's a clip. It's funny, but it's true. If you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. Jesus says as much. If you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God because your neighbor was created in the image of God. Here's another example. Um, I know, and this isn't like a political statement, um, even though it might feel like it, I promise it's not. Um, Whenever we see images of somebody burning or stepping on the American flag, it, it makes me feel really uncomfortable and upset. I have lots of family that have served in the American military. Um, I live in the United States. I love the United States. And so when I see that, it upsets me. The reality is it's a piece of cloth, but it's the image of our country, right? And so... When we see someone failing to love the image of the country, we feel like they're failing to love the country itself. Question, does it make you more upset to see something like that? Or does it make you upset to see the image of God being desecrated? The image of God being disrespected? People failing to love the image of God. And if maybe that makes you more upset than this, we need to start thinking about it in different terms. We need to start considering that when we fail to love the image of God, we're failing to love God himself. Here's another question. Uh, who's been to a wedding? Okay, who's been to a Christian wedding? Okay, great. Um, there's a passage that happens at Christian weddings all the time, and it makes me, it makes the, the Bible nerd in me upset because I feel like it is misused, even though it's not, it's whatever. But, um, Who's ever, if I said, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, do we know that passage? All right, I'm going to read it for you because you've probably heard it if you've ever been to a Christian wedding. It's, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful 
or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Okay, sounds lovely to say at a wedding. It's true. Um, But I think when we say those verses at weddings, what we make the mistake of doing is attaching the word love in that passage to mean romantic love between a spouse and another spouse. I'm gonna gonna teach you a few Greek words here that you've probably heard before, and I wanna point out which Greek word of love is used in this passage. Um, What's really cool about Greek is that they have like seven or eight different words for love that you've probably heard before. Um, One of them is eros, which is uh, romantic or like sexual love. It's like that kind of attraction, eros. Um, We would just say love, like I love my husband, I love my wife. Um, There's phileo, which is a brotherly, friendly kind of love. Um, This is the kind, oh, I love my best friend. Or like, oh, the people I go to church with, I love them so much. That's the phileo kind of love. There's storge, which is a family-type love, which is, oh, I love my daughter, I love my son, I love my mom and dad. Um, And then there's agape, or agape, however you pronounce it. This is the transcendent, unconditional kind of love. And guess what? In that 1 Corinthians passage, this is the word that is used for love. So it's not meant just for spouses. It's not meant just for family. It's not meant just for people you're close to. This is the kind of love that Jesus is saying, show to your neighbors. So when we are loving our neighbors, we should be patient. We should be kind. should not be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. We should not demand our own way. We shouldn't be irritable, keep no records of wrongs with our neighbors. We don't rejoice when injustice happens to our neighbors but we rejoice when truth wins out. We don't give up on our neighbors. We never lose faith in our neighbors. We're always hopeful for them, and we endure through every circumstance with our neighbors. You ever thought about it that way? Suddenly it sounds a little more challenging, doesn't it? Suddenly when it's not in the context of a marriage, to love somebody this way really pushes us to the edge of, How do we love our neighbors well? See, that verse, those verses aren't talking about eros. They're talking about agape. We are to love our neighbors in the agape style. That is because it is the most important thing. Love, loving of your neighbors and loving of God is the most important thing. It's the most important teaching in all the scriptures. Jesus says so. And again, I want you to walk away with this. I want you to carry this with you into the new year because if you do that, it will change everything, I promise. Let's back up a little bit in 1 Corinthians and read the first uh, three chapters of verse 13. I'm sure you've heard this one too, um, but really think about this in terms of where you are as a Christian, where you are as a believer, where you are as a churchgoer, and how you can love your neighbor. Listen to this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I could see the future, if I could tell you all the secrets that would be known um, for the future, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains. Listen, this is the, mo- this is the super Christian right here. This is the person that, has, that, can, that can move mountains with their faith, that is always praying, that is serving at the church, that is doing all of these wonderful Christian things. If I could do all of those things, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Are we starting to see the priorities that Jesus has? Starting to look a little bit less about being a great Christian. Starts looking a little bit more like being a lover of people, doesn't it? Starting to look a little bit more about how can I prioritize loving my neighbor than doing the church thing well, doesn't it? Sometimes we don't like to think about that. Or maybe we've never thought about that. Maybe that's just something we were kind of taught. It's like, well, if I do all the church stuff correctly, loving my neighbor will fall into place. Or maybe you did the Jesus police thing for so long and you said, well, the best way to love somebody is to point their sin out to them. Maybe the best way to love somebody is to make them feel terrible so I can build them back up in the image that I want of them. You've thought about that? You see, sometimes we don't think about those things because it's been so put into us for so long. But I'm here to tell you today that if we want to love our neighbors well, we need to love them like Jesus did. A lot of Christians are like this, myself included. Whether I realize it or not, I'm always trying to draw the line and where, do I, where can I get away with stop? Where can I get away with stopping showing love to somebody? God doesn't want us to draw those lines. But maybe you're at the opposite end of this. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you've been hurt by Christians that have done this. Maybe you've been hurt by a church that has done this. Maybe you've been hurt by a church that has failed you. I love Elevate. I love this church, but we are as guilty of this as other churches are too. We've not always loved people the best way. Maybe you've been at the receiving end of that. Um, I just want to apologize on behalf of the Jesus followers around the world. I want to apologize. That should have never happened to you. You carry the image of God upon you and you should have been loved like Jesus commanded you to be loved. You may have been hurt by a church. I've been hurt by churches. I've been hurt by Jesus people. Anybody been hurt by Jesus people? The people that are supposed to love the most in the world, have they ever failed you? They failed me. They didn't love me like their neighbor. But guess what? I also have not loved everyone like my neighbor either. I'm sorry that we had a job to do and we tried to do Jesus's job in saving you. I'm sorry that we had a job to do and that we tried to be the Holy Spirit and convict you of sin. I'm sorry that we tried to do that. 
I'm sorry that people didn't hold us accountable to love you the best way, that other Christians didn't step in and say, you're not loving them well. Can we be that in 2023? Can we start loving our neighbor better? Can we start stepping in when we see a Christian brother or sister not loving somebody well and saying, hey, you're supposed to love them and leave it at that. We don't have to play sin police. We don't have to play God. We just are called to love. That's all there is to it. I, I apologize if you have ever been bullied or hurt or harassed or preached at or condemned to hell or hated by a Christian. You count as their neighbor too. You watching online, you count as their neighbor too. And it was, your, it was the job of the church to love you like a neighbor. And if we've ever failed to do that, I apologize. I know I have. And so maybe I'm just speaking for me. But if you've ever found yourself failing to love your neighbor, I want you to think about this. That very neighbor is the same person that Jesus died for. You are a person that Jesus died for, and so is your neighbor. Neighbors that are like you, neighbors that are different than you, all of them. You see, Jesus has never stopped loving you, even if your church did. Jesus has never stopped loving you, even if Christians failed to do so. Maybe you've never felt love from Christians, and I want to let you know that whether or not you've ever felt love from Jesus' people doesn't mean that you've never had love from Jesus. Because while we were as far away from God as we could possibly be, Jesus demonstrated his great love for us in this, that he died for us. Jesus never stopped loving you, even if your church or Christians did. Jesus never hated you. Jesus never hated you, even if your church or Christians did. Jesus has never and will never abandon you, even if Jesus' people did. For the rest of us, I want us to go into 2023 with more love than we've ever shown before in our lives. I want us to show love to our neighbor in such a way that says, hey, you're my neighbor and I love you, period, end of sentence. I don't have to make judgment calls about, well, how am I gonna talk to them about their sin? Or, oh, how am I gonna get them to believe like I do on this? Or I need to see that bumper sticker to make sure I know who they voted for so I can't let you know. No, we're supposed to love our neighbor regardless of all these things. And if we go into 2023 doing that, it's gonna change some things. It's gonna change this community it's going to change this church. It's going to change the lives of people, and it's going to change your life as well. We won't try to police people's sin. We won't try to analyze people's motives. We won't judge them. You see, we'll love people that treats people like the image bearers of God that they are. We'll treat them with patience, with kindness, and all the things that 1 Corinthians mentioned. I promise you, if you start 2023 with love, by loving your neighbor, you will end up loving 2023.
We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.